0: to the Museum Kinds first podcast. I am Sarah. I work at an art museum. I am... I'm <laughs> we're We're Madeline. Yeah, two Madelines. We're in there. Madeline.
1: Yeah,
0: yes. Well, I'll let
1: Maddie go first.
2: <laughs> okay. I I am for the sake of this podcast, Maddie, and I work at an aerospace museum. Ooh. I'm.
1: Madeline and I work at a museum as well. <laughs> Surprise! <Yeah>. What?
0: <laughs> so we are a group of registrars with a uh, like-minded passion for collections and preservation and exhibitions. Um, Maddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Museum Kind is?
2: Sure. So the idea behind Museum Kind is museums should be for all, and I liked it as an all-encompassing term like humankind to be it's a whole bunch of different people who have a stake in collections and historic preservation which I think could be everyone um including those of us who work directly in collections because very often it feels like you know we're in a back room with all of these treasures is kind of how people see it and um I think that there is a role that everyone could play in historic preservation and we wanted to have a way to better communicate what it is that we do, what it is that goes on in museums and the concerns that we have and look at how uh, museums are discussed in the general public and and how they're discussed in our culture. So just a whole big term (laughs) for ways of looking at and talking about museums and, and who the people are.
0: And and let's be real, not everybody even knows about collections staff within museums. You know, people are like, "Are you a curator?" Well, are you
1: a curator? Are you a
0: curator? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm pretty sure my dad still thinks I'm a curator, even
1: though I've never been a curator,
0: right? Yep. Uh Most of my relatives too, Sarah.
1: Sometimes (laughs)
2: they think that I collect money, or my engineer friends think that I do something with like
1: waste. oh yeah Um, waste
0: management (laughs) which is just the mob i guess yeah management um i think linkedin thinks that um i should be doing registration for colleges such as registering Mm -hmm. students for classes so um so maybe for those that are listening that don't actually know anything about what maybe a registrar or a collection staff person is um all of our roles at our institutions are to take care of the collection, preserve it physically uh, for future generations. We also keep track of all the documentation, specifically within my role, I keep track of all the documentations for gifts and purchases and loans, basically any object that comes in and out of the building or under our purview to care for, know where it is, know what it needs. Um, yeah. And, and, and many, 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 many other things. Am I right? Yes. Oh, so right. <laughs> that is like the <laughs> highest level view of what we do is just preservation of objects at a core. And we handle objects sometimes on a daily basis. Some of us not so much, but um, yeah,
2: anyway. it can really vary because there are days where it's like, okay, I made mounts and I put things into boxes and I moved those boxes. And then other days it's I recorded where the boxes went or where the boxes might've come from. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah, it can be a big variety or you're taking yeah. pictures of bugs and putting them in a spreadsheet, mm-hmm.
1: taking pictures of bugs uh, the other day I just typed up a bunch of loan agreements to oh. borrow objects from other private collectors or museums so lots All right. of different things. <laughs>
0: I recently had to tally up what the value of all of our loans on site are for every month of the year, so you could figure out if you need to buy more fine arts insurance coverage, get some writers, you know. So we're thinking about totally. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, and also though, hey, I've like I, I sweep the floors. Uh, I'll <laughs> I sweep, sweep a floor. My, <laughs> uh, you know, we love a that. Is
1: not beautiful. beneath me. No. No, mm-hmm.
2: and on a really fancy day, I might like keep track of the dust. I mean, oh, by putting ooh, a little oh. dust monitor somewhere. Oh. Uh, that's oh. that's getting like high. Keep track
1: of the, the space <laughs> dust. Oh, maybe. Space,
2: <laughs> <Rube's baseball>. yeah. <laughs> There's a partner space dust. Sometimes it just gets a little out of control, but mm-hmm. we do our best.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we do many things. Also, not to jump around too much, as registrars, we also are big tea enthusiasts, are we not ladies?
1: Oh, oh heck yes. Tea time. I wish we could all clean glasses together, but we are joining each other virtually.
0: Uh, what's everybody drinking?
2: <laughs> tea time, check in. Ooh, okay. I'm a bit of a traitor. This is coffee. <gasps> Maddie. I know. I did have this morning green tea. Okay. And okay. I needed mean, a little
0: still,
1: You did opposites. Yes.
2: I know it should be the <laughs> other way around, but I'm fixing it
0: now. Okay. I'm still shook by that. Okay. <laughs> Alan, what are you drinking?
1: I am doing a little um honey vanilla chamomile. It's Ooh. a bit, you know, allergy crazy up in here. So just taking care of myself. Oh. Wow.
0: So much respect for that. <laughs> um. <laughs> a little devil matcha green tea. I needed that energy, you know, poof. And uh, it's my second cup and it's very good. And Mm. shout out, maybe future sponsor, Republic of (laughs) Tea. You're my favorite tea company. They are wonderful. Is
1: that the one that you gifted that came in the cylinder? Yeah, they
0: come in the cylinders. Okay.
1: Um, There, there's a job title that I would like one day um it on the seal on the top it says approved by the minister Minister of tea tea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes I love that I do yeah yeah
2: oh that'd be wonderful yeah I thought you were gonna say like I want to be the person who designs those cylinders but Mm -hmm. that's way better
1: yeah (laughs) oh well that too
2: (laughs) yeah that too but you're taking it to the top I'm the I'm the minister of tea yeah, anything we can do for the Great Republic of Tea, we would be happy to serve. Yes, yeah, so true. Um, I love it. Well, we did actually have the way that the kids say tea, a little bit of tea this week.
1: Ooh,
0: mm. Do we want to like talk about that?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the tea? <laughs>
2: The tea is, um, I think, what the kids mean when they say that there was an FBI raid on- Oh, that's
1: tea. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes.
0: That is is some regional true hot tea. Yeah, Uh, that's fortune.
2: So Mm
0: -hmm. the Orlando Museum of Art on Friday was raided by the FBI and their Basquiat exhibition was confiscated. There is so much scandal about it, even from when that show opened, which was about three months ago, if I'm correct. Right. In February. Um, in February, where the artwork came from, how it was authenticated, how they re- responded to the criticisms mm-hmm. and allegations that these pieces may not be authentic and are really looking like they're not authentic here. This is the, the raid's not looking good. Um, so they were subpoenaed for I believe more information for this like a while ago. And um, that was the last I heard until I got the notification on Friday that they-
1: that Okay. They um, what I had read in the New York Times is that they were cooperating with mm-hmm. the FBI.
0: You're gonna have to, am I right? You know, what Right, I mean? yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I worked at an institution that had been subpoenaed for uh, collections records. And you, in my experience, we had a decent amount of time. It wasn't like exceptional to get the information to them, but we had about two weeks to give them copies of everything that was possibly related to these certain topics. So, That's a
1: pretty quick turnaround. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. It, it legitimately had to do with a um, pending court date that oh. they needed information ahead of time. So um, that was an interesting process, but... I mean, the, the whole Orlando Museum and, and this authentication and the art market and the, the pitch of forgeries, like this is just like so sensational. The Netflix documentaries are like popping off about it. like the uh, made you look documentary. I feel like this is very similar in this vein of uh, you get a lot of people that are the what experts and, like doing and then they validate things and then that we just like cruise through as a society and go well the expert said so mm-hmm. one of the really spicy things about this is the piece of artwork that is on a FedEx box yes yeah, yeah.
2: the guy who's an expert on FedEx logos and <laughs>
0: what year
2: yes. that that's some good record keeping yes
0: yeah, is that this type of packaging and labeling did not exist at the time this piece was claimed to be made which I think it
2: came up even like after the artist had passed away, mm. so it was like really this wouldn't have happened
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to me, that's like the best piece of evidence right there. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like duh, yeah. duh, duh. You're <laughs> that's kind of how I felt <laughs> and the pieces were
2: like were found in a storage unit, and then they went to auction. Is that right? I think this would be believe- that's what I
0: understood, okay. Yeah. You know, you you know, we as museum people who love treasures, you know, you gotta love that you find a whole, you know, big old pile of all this stuff in a you know, a storage unit that nobody ever found. And that's gonna happen sometimes, right? But like it's oh with this what it seems so like, oh how convenient, you know, just Mm -hmm. just all of them in one thing, you know, it just I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm already in my completely uneducated, non-expert opinion, feel like things are sketchy. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and for and I understand like sometimes they might need to, like you do have to pause any exhibit plans (laughs) if there is a question of authenticity. But I guess if you believe they were authentic based on this Mm -hmm. person examined and that person examined, because was this the first place at the show? I know it wasn't supposed to be the last destination.
1: It no, was Italy right, was, the, was the next destination, okay. um, Which makes and sense. I, yeah. So I would have to get. <laughs> yes, um, I actually I thought the show was closing this June, but I think it's actually next June. It was oh. supposed to
0: close. Yeah, that's a long run. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was closing like next week or something. Yeah. Okay,
1: but maybe mm-hmm. I read the date wrong. But I thought I read a 2023 close date. So. It,
2: uh, well uh, when they said it was closing early I don't know if that was pre-fbi <laughs> or yeah. it's like not yeah now we're closed yeah like, oh yeah. yeah you're
0: closed they like, got read it yeah <laughs> I mean I think this calls into like uh do the, the question of due diligence right like did they do enough due diligence did they respond like accordingly mm-hmm. when know maybe some suspicious things were brought up in the first place i really feel for like the rest of the museum staff that are not people that are always in positions to make big decisions like even us registrars how we have a role to play with like you know in theory the stewardship and the ethics of the collection Mm -hmm. and the things that we do and as the paperwork people you know we we keep these records And I just think about like how the registrar there, even if at one point, if I would have said, Hey, Hey, Hey guys, I think that this is seeming really fishy. We're getting a lot of heat. No one's going to listen to me. That's not, I don't get that authoritative voice, at least within the institutions I've worked at to like say, let's call this off. Don't you guys think it's a bad idea? So I'm just thinking like the day at the museum when the FBI comes in, you know, they're open to the public, your registrar is on site. What do you do? You just stand there with a clipboard and go, okay, can I get you some tables? It's plastic. Like, what do you need to pack all this stuff up? Like, how are we doing this? And the, like, just such a, a weird, the role that a registrar gets wrapped up in this, but also knowing the lack of authority that we often have Mm-hmm. and that you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna take a while guess hey the curator might or the restaurant might have been the only one on site that day because <laughs> we have, have to be on site because we do physical work curators directors they work remotely they've got meetings they travel you know like we're the nuts and bones of like getting it in getting it up and getting it out and i feel for the staff of the whole institution because even us talking about it right now it's like ooh, that seems scandalous but there's so many staff there that like meaningful good were with yeah. great intention. So I don't want to yeah. see people just like trash in, you know, but it's just, it's such an interesting thing. And it hits so close to home for us as being, it's people that have worked in Florida for a while. So
2: uh-huh. Yeah, and that could really could be like a the facilities manager might have been caught off guard trying you know and trying like, to like yeah. facilitate that the education staff and the frontline staff I'm sure were trying to deal with like the public asking questions on the day and I I did see something where one article was like. The museum staff were told not to comment. And it's like, of course they were. Like that's how in that's how corporations, businesses, institutions yeah. anywhere is like. You right. don't have everyone being expected to say a whole bunch of random stuff. Um, they're just trying to do their jobs, and they they might have had no say in it. They might not even be clear on what was going on. So of course they don't want to spread inf- like misinformation, and they were probably on
0: the day just trying to just do try all do the other things
2: they were having to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like security must have been like, we never talked about what to do (laughs) in this scenario. What does our our protocol say? We don't have a page for an FBI raid. And I know we use the word raid because, you know, that's what I've read, you know, on in articles, but just saying FBI raid sounds like they came in with like doorbells. Yeah. Everybody yes. back up. You teams know? of
2: men pulling them <laughs> off yeah. the walls, and yes. someone's running around. What are you doing with the art? I'm
0: sure your pieces. You know, you got that yeah. box. You know, like
1: yeah. There's um, an urgency
0: to that word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. As a registrar, should I contact our our insurance company? You know, to let them know these things are moving. You know, hey, are yeah. you want a climate control dual rider truck? You know, like, you don't get that say anymore. Was was this a
1: scheduled raid? Yeah. Or um, unexpected? That's a good question. I feel like raids are unexpected. Yes, if you know it's
0: coming, you're going to hide the goods. You know what I mean? You're going to...
1: Or you're going to surrender the
0: goods. Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Which is more likely than them. What are they, like, okay, sure, we'll pack up our exhibit and just hide them, mm-hmm. in it, which, I mean, could happen, which is why we yeah. want to have it be a surprise, but... I feel like we would just go okay let's try to get it ready and like move it all for the FBI um, to pick up
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that gets you something too it's like if they were like hey you know we need to take this stuff if you're like yeah you know we'll go ahead we'll close it down we'll pack it up we'll have it all ready for you and itemize." that's almost like saying like yep I get it this is bad we messed up let's you know like so it's True. the <laughs> public messaging of like if you hey we said we we're gonna have the show up for a year we're shutting it down why oh authenticity authenticity issues you know just like it that's a tricky yeah tricky thing to deal with but um I guess that's a like uh keep listening we'll see where this Mm -hmm. goes yeah also like what put the poor museum right now they must be thinking also like well we got to fill that whole special exhibition space that's what we've been like that was our main show and a charging for so And
2: for for those listening, uh, museum exhibitions often take a very long time (laughs) to prep, so they can't just move up their next one.
0: Uh,
2: That has probably a very strict schedule on it, and things are currently moving on it.
0: And (laughs) even if you've got a whole collection room filled with thousands of objects, chances are most of them are not in a ready-to-hang or display situation situation.
1: Or some of them might not be as well researched as others. So they're not ready to present to the public with labeling and everything. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot to think about.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a quick process. I once thought I'll put something up for a month to fill a space. And I have never had, it was actually really fun, but I just put random, random items from our collection and said, like time to shine (laughs) but it was exhausting and i regret it (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so true such a good point yeah oh
2: yeah that Um, was that was our our big local news that uh we've always already
1: (laughs) been
0: discussing (laughs) yeah yes of course Internally. well the other hot topic of the day or the last month, or however long ago this was. Since early May. Early May. Oh, the, time. The drum roll.
2: That's
0: probably going to sound awful. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the Kim Kardashian scandal of wearing the Marilyn Monroe dress from the Ripley's Believe It or Not collection.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> Obviously, we're not the people to talk about this topic. Yeah, so this was one of the things that
2: sparked <laughs> our wanting to do a podcast. Is yes. oh, the public is talking about stuff mm-hmm. that we kind of know about <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have some have some takes on. And people, even in my family, would ask like, "What is the big deal?"
0: Yeah,
2: you know, what is, why is it, yeah, damaging or whatever. Uh, which uh. I mean, the nuts. Where do we want to start with
0: this? Uh, everyone knows. Well, let's uh, assume some people don't. People could go, "Who is Kim Kardashian? Who is this Marilyn Monroe you speak of, and what is this?" Please believe it or not, right? Very so, good. Uh, and
1: where and why did she wear it?
0: Yes. So, high point, right? The Met Gala, which is their annual, it's annual correct uh, mm-hmm. event, it raises funds for the Met Costume Institute. Yes, it is a social affair. That is widely publicized. It always has a theme this year. Centered
1: around their exhibition. Yeah. Correct.
0: And this year's exhibition was uh what was it? Uh Gilded Glamour.
2: It was supposed to be Gilded Age. And one of my one of the best things about the Met Gala for Mm -hmm. people who like to look at the fashion is to determine did people understand the assignment. Mm -hmm. So if someone was fully understanding the assignment, they would have like a like uh, Billy Eilish is a good example, like really got, okay, this is what people wear in the Gilded Age, but with a funky side.
1: (laughs) And, oh, and just to pop in the, the exhibition um, at the the Costume Institute at the Met is in America, a
0: lexicon of fashion. uh, And it just also something to say is like, speaking of Maddie, about how like it's supposed to be, you know, um, the period is supposed to like, you know, reference the, the the costumes that people wear. Well, the Gilded Age was really 1870 to 1900. So there's interesting things going on there too, with the mm. fact that this Marilyn Monroe dress, which this is the dress which uh, Marilyn Monroe wore while she was singing the happy birthday song to uh, JFK, right? Yes. With we like- all
2: have hope, I hope if you haven't heard it, Go listen to her. Yeah. Sexy happy birthday. Sexy Happy birthday. (laughs) So. If
1: you haven't heard it, you've probably heard it referenced too.
0: (laughs) I actually had never really like looked at the, like I saw the little snippet of it and I was like, I feel very weird about all this. That whole thing was, you know, sexy time weird with the president. I don't know. Um, Mm. But. so, so, So like you've got also the factor that it's the Gilded Age. Uh, that to go to the Met is usually an invite situation for the Met Gala. So, you know, even That's if I was like baller rich and I wanted to just get me a big old table to support the coffee they might not take me. No, mm-hmm. and for a long
2: time, Kim was not invited.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of things going on. And then to, it almost, to me, okay, I'm just going to start with my opinion, right? For right or wrong, I love historic preservation. I love textiles. I love historic gowns. When this happened, I was, my first thought was, this is just so wildly unnecessary. She does not need to be wearing this dress. This dress doesn't fit her. She also, for the sake of preservation, there was a museum conservator, I believe that's what they were titled, on site. She only wore the dress from when she like walked up the stairs. She didn't, and then they like left the the red carpet and she changed and she wore a replica gown. For those reasons- there i thought it was ridiculous a publicity stunt uh it goes against preservation i will agree with that but i was quite frankly just frustrated with everyone involved and that this was a terrible idea and it's just such a stunt and here it is it's working we're talking about it this is exactly what they wanted and then i want to throw in the ripley's believe it or not factor of how we they it was and all the articles museum 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 the ripley's believe it or not while they do collect things even themselves identify themselves as a tourist attraction. That's mm-hmm. how they even refer to themselves. So do I think she should have worn the dress? No. Do I think it was bad for the dress? Yes. Even though she didn't wear her body makeup, which I was like, what is all over body makeup? That was good. <laughs> um, even though they like... Um, she didn't, she couldn't button it up all the way or zip it up in the back. It wasn't buttoned, but zip. That's why she has mm-hmm. that shawl that like leans down there. I'm like, the dress didn't fit even from- Yeah, the
2: girl. it was custom made for Marilyn Monroe. And it was like kind of the first naked dress so that she didn't have to wear any undergarments.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was also like, that was an iconic moment. So the dress either loses or gains value in a way historically by having a second extremely famous figure wearing it in a sort of now what has become a salacious moment Mm
0: -hmm. like
2: that was as well so whether or not it adds any like adds or takes away from Marilyn Monroe's event is maybe up for someone else to debate in the world but it Mm -hmm. definitely and for people who wonder it can't you when you wear a dress or when you wear a historic garment which I oh my god I forget the organization but there is an organization that decided that um, internationally you are not supposed to wear historic garments and is considered unethical yes it's ICOM it is ICOM Mm -hmm. okay yeah so they they're everybody listens to ICOM (laughs) or is supposed (laughs) to listen to ICOM but if you're not technically a museum anything that you follow is sort of in good um like in trust as opposed to actually having to legally and I'm doing air quotes here it's sort of like whether or not they actually have to follow ICOM is less of a factor than the fact that they like you're kind of supposed to follow ICOM
1: it's more of an ethical guideline rather than a legal um yeah one yeah (laughs) yeah and
2: there are things like even without wearing full body makeup, you're still sweating and, um, you might still have residual shampoo or
1: lotion. Um, even the, it. yeah. When you're putting it on, like yeah, that causes stress to the garment.
0: There was a video of the fitting, the first fitting. And it's like, let me tell you right off the bat, it's like, that don't look like it fits. It's, too tight it's like to have worked with costumes like you know when you're putting something on a mannequin you go this isn't working you know that was seeming to happen while they were doing the try-on and she had to lose 16 pounds i do believe it was to even get into the dress which um problematic corner there's a lot of problems going on with this about just the the whole thing you know we don't even we won't even delve into the weight loss Portion of this and just the messages sends because that's, that's a whole nother podcast, right? But I just it goes it, okay, so this sent me down a rabbit hole about Ripley's. Believe it or not, in the collection, I have been to Ripley's I, as a kid. You know, as a person who always loved like collections and things to be like, ooh, this is historic. I love standing in front of it and seeing it. You know, gives you chills. Sure, Ripley's got that going on, but Mr. Ripley was born in eighteen ninety. So this has been going on for a long time. He. Uh, was an illustrator for uh, some magazines and comics. And then he started doing something called like champs, what it champs versus chomps? Like um it, where it was, it, it, it was a rabbit hole, but he also exhibited things at the 1933 world fair, which as we world know, was fair. World fair, which yeah, passion project over here for Maddie, right? Like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was some already, uh, exhibiting of cultures as oddities going on at these things. So mm-hmm. you know, Ripley's believe it or not, oddities is a big term that they use and they still use. Like if you read there about, you know, it's very brief. Well I will say that, but you can find more for me. Like
1: oddity spelled O D D I T. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: So like they very much feed into the like the othering. Of objects and cultures, and like you know, wow, this is strange because it's held to our, you know, an American's standard of what is you know strange for the time. But you mm-hmm. know, he in, in fun fact, in the 1930s, he was making a hundred thousand dollars a year putting what? together he, yeah. what like uh, what? what is that today's money? I don't know, but it's a lot. So this is a very rich white man collecting and traveling things from all over the world which someone might be going, hey, that sounds really similar to museums. Am I right? You know, so there is, you know, crossover, but as an institution, they did not go for the straight up preservation educational. They went for the edutainment, blatantly just entertainment. And, you know, so knowing that that dress falls within that bucket of an institution, I also think is what is allowed that to even happen. Like I would like to think that the Smithsonian would not have loaned out one of their historic garments to have someone wear in real time.
2: It probably goes directly against their collections management policy, whereas there might be more wiggle room within whatever management policy exists within the um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, which as someone who also works in kind of the attraction world, we do have a collections management policy and we do follow those um, those guidelines. But that is sometimes when you work in a place like that, more of a choice than like we have, you know, we can, Ripley's might be able to go more towards the entertainment side than the preservation side, but then some of their stuff is preservation
0: based, mm-hmm. but maybe
2: less, it's maybe more secondary.
0: Yeah, like they can't do what they do without preservation because it's at the core of being a collector of rare Things that you do have to care for them for the long term. I mean, you know, maybe for some institutions, it's because, you know, you want to preserve them for the generations to come. And maybe where for Ripley, it's more like, well, we need to preserve them because we need to keep making money because that's what we do. Yeah. Unless we don't make money, but, you know, uh, just the mission in general is right. different. And
1: I think um, we heard this from a colleague that there are rumors. Uh, the Met Costume Institute was solicited for <laughs> lending out their collection for the Met Gala oh. because of this.
2: Oh, oh that's fascinating. Yes. Cause
1: yeah. So it, you do it cross does affect other museums. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course they said no, but they mm-hmm. still had to deal with that request.
0: Yes. It it affects it to the level, that now we have to justify something that before was what felt like accepted practice amongst our, you know, like-minded institutions. And now it's like, well, Mm -hmm. let me tell you why you can't do that. Even though we know what they're saying that, like it said, conservators said, everything's fine. The dress was not damaged, you know, but it's also, it's in their best interest to say that too. And then where does your line of damage start and stop? You know what I mean? I think some of us will say, well, you know what? period. It was damaged purely because it was worn because like you said, like the salts coming out of your skin, your sweat, like all those little <laughs> micro things add up to a bigger picture in the long run. And then, uh, um, yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, even, um, you know, if you're thinking about Ripley's as separate from museums, I follow, uh, a costume collector on Instagram, and he's been following this story, you know, the two months that it's, been going on and uh i think even costume collectors typically have the opinion no you shouldn't allow someone else to wear this costume because it's important because marilyn monroe wore it like Mm -hmm. you were saying maddie does that affect the object you know after someone else has worn it too
0: and Um, now it's part of that objects like chain of history and yeah, exactly Marilyn Monroe dress from that moment now it's also the dress that Kim Kardashian wore and that like
1: and they Ripley's advertises it that way now
0: yes. Huh. See? yes it's all it all feeds itself it, it <laughs> to me it <laughs> does feel scandal it does it feels scandal I feel like it's it's tarnished the history of the dress it's probably physically mess the dress up a little bit even a little bit we got to write a condition report we got to talk about it this is what happened um and I just think it's like a huge disappointment period you know Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it definitely is and it's been interesting to see the dialogue from like your the person who does your costume collecting to everyone who yeah conservators and also I do want to bring up I have seen some people discussing like this has been a, a big topic if you follow a bunch of instagrams of um, people have been really enraged by this and other people have kind of countered with it's interesting that there's so much rage over this when there have been other so much larger atrocities uh i think would be yeah. a safe word <laughs> yeah. to say mm-hmm. that have happened within museums that haven't necessarily gotten as much um press which maybe has to do with you know it's, it's something to do with the kardashian it's Mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of a whole, um, there there's a lot of press there versus some things like, um, in the last year, I, I won't go into it too much since I don't have all of the details, but, um, if you've heard anything about the move organization, um, they, their headquarters were bombed in Philadelphia in 1985, uh, and through, what's kind of a convoluted chain of custody which there are some really good articles from the time and and since that discovery that have detailed this more but there are two girls whose remains have been at the Penn museum Mm -hmm. Uh, they were in the bombing they were at the headquarters which killed 11 people five of them were children and I believe of those five, um, Delisha Africa and Patricia Dodson, um, who's also listed as Tree Africa, I'm not sure what her family preferred. They were um, 12 and 14 respectively. And I don't know the details of which remains, but there were remains at the Penn Museum. And it kind of came about be, uh, where someone in an online class had the remains and that's how they kind of got brought to the fore again and um the family was not aware they had wanted to know where their family's remains are and this is something from the 1980s that resurfaced in um the last few years so it does sort of come up of why does everybody know about this and nobody Mm -hmm. knows about that which you could say Mm
1: -hmm.
2: about a lot of things but um you know what gets attention does vary
1: yeah yeah
0: so true.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very important point you bring up, Maddie. Uh, I Just to go back to the dress, um, ICOM did eventually put together, they're starting a task force. And I think the idea is to note um, objects like this that are of cultural importance that, um, you know would have specific rules so that they wouldn't be used in the future and um some other examples of that were the uh I'm okay the queen maxima of the netherlands her coronation dress in 2013 and then uh another example would be like princess diana's wedding dress
0: um
1: but you know, just to go back on what you were saying, yeah, it's like, w- we need a task force to deal with many issues mm-hmm. in um, our our museum world. Yeah. Uh, and that I, I think, you know, what you brought up is a validly more important one in some ways.
0: Absolutely, I yeah. think, yeah, sure. and that's- a Human song.
1: remains always trump
0: well, like <laughs>
2: Yeah, objects.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's good to know
2: too. Is sort of establishing that whatever institution these things might be at, they maybe hold a more, um, uh, like a, a more general importance. It's kind of like a heritage asset. Like we acknowledge that yes. this, even if it goes to different places, might need to have special requirements because which then how do we agree on what those objects are? But at least like having an idea of we really, these tell a story that
0: we all really wanna preserve. Yeah. And you know the Smithsonian's are the people's museums and your taxes pay for a lot of this. And I think that a lot of people would take contention maybe if what the historic gown that you're caring for is then used in a spectacle by Kim Kardashian. And so there's Mm -hmm. so many layers um, yeah, all of this and museums have their, their dark stories and their lighter stories. And we're kind of here to talk about everything in between from all ends of the spectrum, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whew, there's so much. Um,
2: and specifically, so- I mean, we're not the only ones who tell museum stories. Filmmakers yeah. <laughs> tend yeah. to oh. as well. Have yeah. you guys had any encounters with these depictions
0: lately lately or oh, just was it the all forefront. over the place I mean, <laughs> black panther yeah he is. oh yes crown Fair. i would like to talk about thomas crown fair in a much uh deeper level mm-hmm. at another time i mean <laughs> um this is
1: collections adjacent but Loki, the Marvel show, to me, had a great. <laughs> um, y- you saw into the world of records, mm-hmm. which I liked.
0: Yes. Oh. Our archival um,
1: friends. Yes, our archival friends. <laughs> yeah,
0: I definitely enjoy talking about museums and popular culture depictions, such as you know movies and TV shows. I think it's fascinating. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. yeah
2: Yeah. we yeah I mean a lot of those like you said like Thomas Crown Affair could be like a whole a lot of them could be a whole thing um I know that Madeline and I both watched Severance which had Mm a corporate art collection and some very nice
1: file um file drawers yes
2: oh beautiful great
1: art storage flat storage for art sarah you know we oh. always wanted that yeah. Um, yeah. oh yeah sidebar sarah and i used to work <laughs> together at the same institution at one point in our career so yes, we did yeah. we did um but yeah i think talking about museums and popular culture is something we'd like to highlight moving forward mm-hmm. in this
0: yeah. podcast so uh-huh. And something we all also have a passion for is what's for dinner. We like to wrap it up with a what's for dinner question. This came out of uh, our previous relationships as friends and other social things we do. And we always want to know what everybody's doing for dinner. So what's for dinner?
2: I wish I prepared. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) Okay. Well, I already know what I'm doing. I'm making black eyed peas, a big old bucket of it. And hopefully I'm going to make some cornbread if I have um, enough milk. Pot, pot of beans to get through the week
2: <laughs> yeah you gotta um, have the cornbread
0: yeah yeah I know
1: so sounds good yeah that does sound good um I, my spouse is making dinner for me <laughs> Excellent. <Yay. laughs> uh, shrimp and grits Ooh. oh uh, I was thinking eating. about
2: those today I was thinking why don't I'm I ever excited. make them that's good
0: yum
1: they're really good and they make the house smell really good too.
0: <laughs> do your cats love it? <laughs> I think they do, yeah. Maddie, you, got, you don't know where you're going with dinner?
1: Uh, it's probably
2: soup. <laughs> oh, no, um, man. I have a good uh, noodle soup that is supposed to trick vegetarians into thinking that it tastes like chicken soup. It kind uh, of does, you know. It's got turmeric, which sort of dyes everything yellow. But like it,
0: will tell turmeric does not make chicken. But
2: yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, those are not chicken flavors. Give them
0: credit with your eyes first, so. right?
2: I can, yeah. If you go vegetarian long enough, you can
1: just lie to yourself. <laughs> um, what gives you the the chicken texture, or it does? It just eliminate that. It doesn't have a It
2: does call for chickpeas but I always forget the chickpeas which isn't a chicken texture it's just more not carrots and celery what it is is it's I think with the cumin and with the broth it has a little bit of that like vegetable oiliness <laughs> or the like meat oiliness that you want I'm mm. not selling it I know but <laughs> it's it's more of a it's a noodle soup <laughs> well love it live your best
0: life with that noodle soup like
2: Thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. With your beans.
0: Well, it is. I, I believe this takes us to the end of our first museum kind podcast. Yes, yeah. and we're
2: going to, I guess, say goodbye to our museum
0: kind family until the next time. Yeah. 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 Next time. Next time. Um, stay interested. Stay preserved. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, closing on. I know. It's a shame this isn't a visual medium. (laughs) I know. My glasses would steal the show.